Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Alicia here with you. Great to have you back. Uh, a bit of a mixed bag of things to talk about in this week's episode. Lots of uh, things have been happening. And the first I wanted to start with was around region coverage for different services and capabilities. Now, one thing I've kind of stopped updating you on during the podcast in general has been, you know, services hitting new regions, etc. simply because it happens so quickly and there's so many things it would probably kind of clog it up in terms of interest level for different people in different parts of the world. However, I did want to make you aware of the region table page. Now, this is available at aws.amazon.com forward slash about dash AWS forward slash global dash infrastructure forward slash regional dash product dash services. There will be a link in the show notes. And what this does is provide you with a handy-dandy region table that is divided up amongst the Americas, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and Asia-Pacific tabs. Within those tabs, you can see each of the particular regions and the services that are offered within those regions. So this is really useful when you're trying to kind of navigate what you're going to use for a particular solution set in a particular locale if you have region-specific requirements. Now, as I mentioned, this is always changing. So it's important to uh, keep up to date with it. And uh, a few of the things that change quite often is Direct Connect locations. Now, of course, Direct Connect is really important if you've got a strategy where you're bringing together some existing IT infrastructure with your new implementation in AWS. Um, it gives you that uh, low latency, high bandwidth, direct private connection between your infrastructure and ours. You can create connections at either one gig or 10 gig. And if you need less than one gig, um, partners can do that for you as well in very small increments. Now, some of the new additions have been some new locations. Uh, locations in Marseille, France, Warsaw, Poland. Also new locations in Atlanta, Columbus and Toronto. And it's become quite a big collection of locations. So I thought why not give it a go? I'm going to read for you all the locations that exist. Just by way of a bit of a trigger to see if there are locations that you may not have heard about, thought about, etc., that you want to take advantage of. So we have uh, two Direct Connect locations in Mumbai, India, servicing the Mumbai region, uh, a Direct Connect location in Seoul, Korea, uh, two in Singapore, actually three in Singapore, I should say, um, two located in Singapore, one in Mumbai to service the Singapore region, and also one in Hong Kong to service the Singapore region. For the Sydney region, there are two in Sydney and one in Melbourne. For the Tokyo region, there's one in Osaka and one in Tokyo. GovCloud has uh, San Jose, California. Canada has Toronto and Montreal. In fact, two in Montreal now. Uh, for China in Beijing, there are two in Beijing. For the EU central region, there are a lot, and I'll go through the list. Czech, uh, Prague, Czech Republic, uh, Amsterdam, Frankfurt, Munich, Warsaw, Frankfurt, Madrid, Stockholm, Vienna, Zurich, Berlin, and Paris. And for US West, there is London, in fact, two in London, uh, a couple in Dublin. Uh, there's also Marseille. Uh, actually, three, four, four in London. I'm going through my list here. So a big collection there. In terms of the Sao Paulo region in South America, there are two in Sao Paulo. For US East Ohio, there's Columbus and two in Chicago. For the Virginia region, there's uh, Newark, uh, New York, Reston, Atlanta, Dallas, uh, Ashburn, and Philadelphia. For US West North California, there's North Alameda, Santa Clara, Los Angeles, San Jose. And for US West Oregon, there's Portland, Seattle, in fact, two in Portland, one in a beautiful Las Vegas and another one in Seattle as well. So you can see it's an ongoing and growing list and something to keep across if network connectivity is important to you or your own customers. 
One of the services we recently talked about was the new EC2 F1 instances, and these are those instances in which you can program those field programmable gate arrays. And I always like to hear what people do with them and anything interesting you've built. Uh, one of the things that customers have said is they want to get started really, really quickly. A way to get your environment up and running quickly irrespective of what you're using really is of course our old friend AWS Elastic Beanstalk and so AWS Elastic Beanstalk now supports the Amazon EC2 F1 instances so this means you can now get up and running very very quickly and get going fast which is a kind of neat simple thing to do to get going on your F1 instance and field programmable array type application development. Now, speaking about network connectivity and on-premises versus in the cloud type applications, one of the services that a lot of customers like to make use of is the AWS Storage Gateway. And that's used to either present volumes on-premises that are stored in the cloud or also as a virtual tape library. So there are some new updates that the team have released recently. Firstly, if you're using the Storage Gateway as a tape gateway, you can now retrieve your archived virtual tapes into your VTL in as little as three to five hours. Now, prior to this launch, tape retrieval could take up to 24 hours. This uh, additional capability or reduction in time is really, really handy because it means, of course, you can get access to your tapes much quicker, which means if you need to recover archived data, you've got less wait time which is, of course, a good thing. Um, also, you can now manage your virtual tapes even more easily because they've enhanced the Tape Gateway console and the API to allow you to display the date and time a tape was created, as well as the amount of data written to each virtual tape. Now, this team has been hard at work around usability on behalf of customers. So for those customers who are using the Volume Gateway use case, you can now clone cached volumes. Now, what this means is that you can use the Storage Gateway console or the API to create a full copy of a cached volume from any cached volume in the same region. Now, this simplified copy process means it's quicker to do and quicker to kick off and there's less steps involved, which means you can do it more often or you can apply it to different use cases. So a number of customers have been wanting those capabilities and they are now there ready to go. A release that I'm kind of excited about because I was actually waiting on it for a particular thing I'm building myself is something related to Amazon Cognito. And this is the public beta of a built-in user experience for sign-in and SAML federation for user pools. So Amazon Cognito is obviously really useful for web and mobile app developers to create user ID logins, user pools, integration with other social media platforms in terms of identity, login, etc. One of the things that's obviously important when you're doing this kind of undifferentiated heavy lifting is to provide that actual sign-in password change type experience and all the little forms and components that go on with that. So there is now a public beta that provides the sign-up and sign-in user experience. Now, you can customize the built-in experience and add it to your app with just a few lines of code, uh, which means it's very flexible and will continue to be even more flexible in subsequent releases. So have a look at that beta and see how it fits your use case. And of course, give the team feedback. I'm sure they'd love to hear it to understand exactly how our customers would like to use this capability. But to me, it's a really good example of just those little components that when you're building an application, we can now just get out the way really, really fast while still providing a highly secure and positive experience for our own users as well, which is kind of nifty. Now, of course, usability is always a big thing with any solution that you use and the ability to make it easy to see what's going on helps your situational awareness. And nowhere is this more important than the landscape of security. So the IAM team have added some new capabilities to their policy summaries to allow you to understand and troubleshoot your own IAM policies. Now, of course, a good policy construct is really important to allow minimum access to resources in your AWS account by either roles, services, or users themselves. 
Now, the policy summaries provided a really nice human-readable form of what policies are out there and what they apply to. These summaries now include the resources defined in the policy to make it easy for you to see the list of resources to which the policy controls access so you can understand what you're allowing access to. You can also now see which services and actions are not granted by a policy as well. So you can make sure that you're maintaining the most limited amount of action that you want. The other nice little capability they've added is you can see unrecognized, unrecognized services and actions in policy summaries. So this is a classic case of I've made a typo, I've added something that probably shouldn't have been there. You can now easily see it in the summary. So take a look at that. I am policy summaries, very, very handy capability. Finally, in today's episode, I want to talk to you a bit about an update to Cloud Directory. Now, just to remind you, a reminder to you, uh, Cloud Directory is a cloud native directory for hierarchical data. It's designed to store large amounts of strongly typed hierarchical data, and it could scale to store hundreds of millions of objects. So it's really useful for many different kinds of cloud and mobile applications. And it has a very interesting design around schemas and facets and relationships between those schemas and facets. Now, the team has extended the power of the Cloud Directory model by adding support for what are called typed links. Now, you can use these links to create object-to-object relationships across hierarchies. You can create, you can define multiple types of links for each of your directories. And in addition to a type, each link can have a set of attributes as well. So this helps you maintain a form of referential data integrity by ensuring that objects with existing relationships with other objects are not deleted inadvertently. Now, this is one of those super complicated topics that does not lend itself to the format of the podcast, but I will link to the excellent uh, blog post that Jeff has done, plus some examples that you'll see linking off that blog post about how to use this. If you are living in a world where you need a complex or sophisticated directory structure, Cloud Directory and this new support for type links may just fit the bill really, really well. So that's it for this week. Thanks again for listening. Hope you've been enjoying the Startup Story series as well. It's been running in parallel. I know it gives you a bit more content to listen to. As I mentioned, uh, we're going to be running some of these uh, little series intimately throughout the year. Um, They'll be well labeled so you can choose to listen or not as your uh, interest level dictates. As always, we do love to get your feedback, AWS podcast at amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.